Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Revelation 2, 8 through 11. The passage will be on the screen for you. Or if you like, please turn to Revelation in your Bible. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your affliction and your poverty, even though you are rich. I know the slander on the part of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Beware. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have affliction. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. Uh, well, we've been uh, going through the book of Revelation, and um, we're, we're going through the, the seven letters at this particular moment. Uh, we said, though, at the very beginning that the book of Revelation has a tendency to be looked at in, in doom and gloom. Uh, it's looked at at a book that either has like the mysteries to the very end of things and, and usually those things are all kind of destruction and, and violence. Um, we said at, at the very beginning of this that the book of Revelation is actually a book of encouragement and hope. Uh, it is a book of encouragement for God's people who are at that very moment experiencing suffering and persecution. Uh, because they have sought to be faithful to what Christ has called them to be. Uh, it's a book of hope, and, and this will be borne out uh, specifically uh, today, because the, the hope is, and the, the picture that Jesus paints, is at the very end, that evil is done away with. Uh, that the death that will claim us here and now will not claim us forever. Uh, that, that the one who is raised from the dead will raise us from the dead, and the second death will not hurt us. That's where we're going today uh, with this letter to the, to the church in Smyrna. The second death will not hurt us. We'll, we'll, we'll get there more fully what that means. Uh, we, we looked last uh, two weeks ago, actually, at the letter to the church in, in Ephesus, and Jesus commended them for their, uh, for their steadfast faithfulness, for the fact that they were testing all of the teachings that they had received, um, all of the teachers that would come that way, they would, they would hold it up against what Jesus had taught and what the apostles had taught them, and they would say, yes, this is right and true and good, and, and they followed the rules exactly, except that they had lost their first love, which was, and, and what God is calling us to, to, to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, they had concentrated so fully on following the rules that they created boundaries that kept folks that didn't believe exactly like them on the outside. We said then that, that, that Christ is calling us, yes, to be, to be faithful, to, to test teachings and all the things that, that Jesus has called us to do, but to do so with love. Uh, that, uh, I was having a conversation with, with somebody uh, this week that our very, first, our very first rule should be do no harm. <laughs> Uh, that we should, in our attempt to be good and right people, 
we should love, uh, love fully, to open our arms and to embrace those who are broken, uh, even when, even when we may think that they are terrible sinners. Well, that was, uh, that, was that, and we're going forward. The, the next church is the Church at Smyrna. And uh, a couple of things I think that are important for us to understand about Smyrna before we look at what Jesus says to them. One is that Smyrna was, uh, was the only, one of the only cities in the seven letters that, that is still around today. It is the, the Turkish city of Izmir, or is, yeah, something like that, Izmir. And uh, it, 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 was a, it was a great city. It was on this uh, gulf that allowed it to be uh, a place where there was commerce and trade and things like that. Uh, so it was an important city because, uh, because cities that where goods pass through are, are important and people wanted to control it. And, and uh, it had a nickname, uh, the city that died and yet lives. Uh, because it was a city that in 590 BC, 580 BC, uh, had been completely destroyed. And it stayed destroyed and deserted until the year 290 BC. And uh, the Romans came and, and rebuilt it, and it, it was all well laid out, and it was, it was super nice. And uh, it, it got this reputation for being just this fantastic city that was loyal to Rome, because Rome had, had helped them rebuild. And so they, they felt like they, they owed that to it at least. And so they, they were granted, they were the first city to be granted the right to build a temple in honor of the Roman goddess Roma. Uh, they were the first ones to, to be able to, to kind of worship the spirit of the Roman Empire and all that it stood for. Uh, about 100 years later, um, they competed to build a second temple. Uh, we competed with a bunch, 10 other cities in the area, and they, they won the right to build a temple to the emperor Tiberius. Uh, Roman, Roman emperors were often thought to be gods or sons of gods, and we'll, we'll explore that a little bit later in, uh, in, a subsequent, uh, in a subsequent letter. So not only were they kind of worshiping the, uh, the, the spirit of Rome and the goddess Roma, uh, they were also worshiping uh, the emperor himself. I, I know that seems weird to us because we don't do that, Right? We don't, we don't deify our political leaders, um, do we? We don't? Do we? I, some people do? Okay. So maybe this letter is kind of relevant to us. I don't know. Um, it, it seems weird to, to, to say that because we don't, we don't talk about it that way. But uh, to be a good citizen of Smyrna, you participated in the worship of the spirit of Rome and of the emperor. Uh, another important thing is that, um, as was the case a lot of places in the Roman Empire, uh, there were trade guilds. Guilds that, that you belong to, maybe kind of like the union, right? If you, you belong to a union. Uh, and uh, you, you had to work through that organization to be able to do your business in the world. And, uh, but they weren't, they weren't just trade guilds, right? It, they didn't just do uh, textiles or, or the making of metal, forging things. But they were, they were an integral part of the social and political fabric of the city. 
that, that in order to fully participate in civic and public life, you, you had to belong to one of these guilds. In order to, to sell your wares or to earn a living for your family, you had to participate in these. And they would have these guild meetings that were, uh, that were important parts. And, and there was no separation between what was political or what was economic or what was religious. We're kind of all together. Uh, we like in, in America to separate these things. At least we say we separate them. Uh, sometimes we do better than others. Uh, but there was no such separation in Smyrna or in the Roman Empire. And so you participated in this trade guild that often had a part of its meeting uh, that was given to worshiping of their patron god, whatever that particular god was. And because Smyrna was so uh, wrapped up with what it meant to be Roman in the Roman Empire, that many of these trade guilds participated in worshiping the goddess Roma or the emperor Tiberius. Uh, so so it's, it's thick, thick with kind of religion and economics and politics. Uh, the main body of the letter, though. So that's the, that's the things, here we go. This is what they were called, the city that died and yet lives. They had been destroyed, and yet they had been resurrected. And uh, Jesus starts his letter, says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Now, Jesus doesn't make this uh, declaration. He doesn't say this about himself just because that's something that we might generally confess, like like that we confessed right here when we let the Christ, Christ candle, that that he, he, he died and he rose from the dead. Jesus is making a very specific statement uh, about who has ultimate authority and power, who should be worshipped. Uh, see, to, to rebuild a city is not in and of itself a miracle. It happens all the time. When this war in Ukraine is, is over, they're going to rebuild their cities. And, and it'll take a lot, and, and sometimes it'll seem miraculous. But it's not, it's not a feat that humanity has not done before. But to raise from the dead, that's something a little bit different. I, I think Jesus, he, he introduces himself this way because he's saying, look, the Roman Empire was great to you, and it was strong and it raised you up from the ashes of oblivion. But I'm, I'm God. Uh, the Roman Empire killed me thinking that it had ultimate power and authority, and it did not. And I defeated sin and death. I defeated Rome in raising from the dead, uh, never to die again lives now. Well, and, and there's a whole bunch of stuff we're going to get to as we go through the book of Revelation. Um, Jesus is making this statement. I have, I have ultimate power. I, you can rebuild cities. I can rebuild people. I am the one you are supposed to worship. Well, he goes on and he says, I know your affliction and your poverty, even though you are rich. I know that the slander, that the part of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. A couple of things here. I know your afflictions and your poverty, uh, but you are rich. Now, uh, we had a good discussion about this in in Bible study. I think Jesus is pointing to, well, what, what they're rich in is rich in faithfulness 
and love. Uh, that despite all of the things that they have experienced, they have remained faithful to Jesus Christ. They have not, they have not worshipped the Roman gods. Uh, they are poor because they have not worshipped the Roman gods. Because they re- rejected the goddess Roma and, and rejected wor- worshipping Tiberius, and it costs them almost everything. It cost them their ability to, to do their trade, to, to make a living for themselves. And, and, and they did that because, well, we don't worship other gods. There's the one, the one true God. It, it not only just cost them their livelihood, it cost them their standing in the community. Uh, because to be a good citizen of the city of Smyrna and to be a good citizen of the Roman Empire was to engage in this worship, in fact, there was a day each year where it was required that you burn a little bit of incense in honor of the emperor. And if you, if you did, you get a little certificate that said, I am a good citizen. I am a patriot of the, the Roman Empire. I have done my civic duty in worshiping the emperor. And these Christians said, no we're not going to do that. We're not going to take we're not going to take part in the political and economic and religious idolatry that happens all around us. And so, uh, well, they 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 were ostracized, uh, loss of economic life, loss of of social standing. Uh, loss of the ability to participate fully in the life of the city, maybe even loss of their own life. Um, part, of the, part of what he's saying here, too, I know the slander of the part of these who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Uh, Smyrna had a large Jewish population, and the Jews had, had gotten an, an exemption from this idol worship. They didn't have to go once a year, um, excuse me, to offer a bit of incense in worship of the emperor. Uh, now, I imagine that, that some of the Christians in Smyrna were converts from, from the Jewish faith, and they thought maybe that they, they could have that same exemption because I think in their eyes they thought they were still Jewish. Uh, and, and they are. Uh, and, but the Gentile converts couldn't necessarily do that, and so that caused the problem. And, and layer on top of that, that the Jews who, who enjoyed this freedom and this, uh, uh, enjoyed the freedom, thought, man, if these Christians come in and insist on having the same exemption, they're going to cause trouble, and they're going to take away our things. And then we'll be forced to make the same kind of sacrifice that these folks have, and we'll lose our economic and social well-being. So the Jews tattletailed on the Christians. Uh, the Roman legal system uh, almost entirely relied on people turning in other folks for infractions and crimes. And so it, it, in essence, the, the Jews engaged in a smear campaign against the Christians uh, so that they could get rid of them and not have, uh, not have their own freedom uh, taken away. Now, I've I got to say this here. Uh, passages like this have been used over the course of history to do terrible things to the Jewish folks. Uh, 
this is just one particular instance. We can't universalize it. Uh, anyway, that's, that's just something that uh, probably needs to be said. Jesus goes on, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Beware the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have affliction. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Do not fear about what you are to suffer. Uh, I, I, think, I think Jesus knows already that, that what they are, in fact, already suffering. Um, he knows that, they, that because they have made this choice to be faithful, that they are suffering. Now, um, the devil is about to throw some of you in the prison and be tested and uh, for 10 days. Now, a couple of things here. Uh, and, and Jesus will call them synagogue of Satan, uh, the Jews anyway. I don't think that, that Jesus is talking about the, the well, the, the, the literal devil, I guess. I, I think uh, the word that's used here is, is literally translated adversary. It is the one who works against the ways and purposes and plans of God. And in this moment, in this moment in time, the Jews are the adversary, and the Romans too. And, and they are working purposely against the plans and uh, of God. And, and so Jesus is saying, look, you, you don't need to fear this. Uh, there, is, there is power at work in our world that is working against me, but be faithful, even if it is to the point of death, for you will be like me and have the crown of life. You will be literally the city that was dead, yet now lives. Uh, ten days, uh, it seems oddly specific. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of what I read thought that uh, ten days was really how long anybody could be practically expected to last in a Roman prison. Uh, Romans, Romans didn't imprison people uh, as a punishment. It's where you were held, where you were waiting either trial uh, exile or execution. And, and your family and your friends had to take care of you. They didn't give you water or food. So if you were uh, disconnected from everybody, the chances that you were going to die from disease or malnutrition in a very short amount of time was pretty good. And I imagine that the conditions in there weren't super great to begin with. Uh, I, I think this is what Jesus is saying. Uh, you right now are suffering. You are suffering the consequences of your faithfulness. Uh, we get to the very end. I don't have a. Um, I don't have it on this on the slide. Let anyone who has ears listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. <coughs> Revelation is a book of hope. It's a book of hope because as we've already said, there is life at the end of death. Like th this is the message of our faith, that, that even though things may be bad here and now, that death is ultimately and finally defeated.
the church in Smyrna could be faithful. Uh, They could be faithful because they had this hope that what we often think of as the end is not really the end. But it is a new and fresh beginning. They were asked to to give up everything that made them distinctive, to participate and become good citizens in the, the Roman Empire. But they didn't. And they could because they had faith and hope in the one who was dead but who had risen from the grave. At the very beginning of all this, we said part of what apocalyptic literature is is that it is, uh, well, it's, it's an epic struggle between good and evil. And, and we might ask ourselves, uh, why God, why doesn't do anything? Why, why is he only offering words of hope and encouragement uh, in the midst of suffering? I, I think that's the, one of the prime questions of our faith. Like, why, why God, Why? Why do we suffer? Some of that's our own fault, our own brokenness in the world. But I, th- I think, and I don't know if I talk like this, but we are engaged in a struggle between good and evil. And, and, and we are being pulled to choose a particular side on which we will be. Will we be like Smyrna and remain faithful uh, even if it means our death. Now, maybe uh, none of us are probably going to die, literally, because we are Christian in this country. But there may be, there may be that we decide that we aren't going to participate in some aspect of our society because, well, it's idol worship. <laughs> and so maybe that costs us economically. Maybe that costs us Socially, maybe that costs us politically. I, I I don't know. I think I think uh, the city Smyrna, Rome wanted wanted them to give up the things that made them distinctive. Now I I have to think sometimes uh, sometimes we think of this epic struggle between good and evil that exists in our, our world. It's really about like a culture war uh, where like we're, we're called to like stand up for all, or, well, to stand out against all of the, the evil sins that happen around us. And, and Christians are really good about, or really bad really, maybe, about saying that is a sin and we should have a law against that. And, and maybe we should, I don't know. Uh, there's too many things. I'm being, very, I mean, being intentionally vague because I want you to think and put your own things in there. I'm not taking a stand politically here, okay? All right? Um. The war we are engaged in uh, is, is more about, it's less about what we are against. 
And it is more about what we are for. I think, I think the world around us asks us to give up what makes us distinctive so that we might be good citizens of it. But I don't think that, that looks like what we think it normally looks like. The world around us wants us to give us loving selflessly. The world wants us to give up forgiveness and instead engage in revenge. The world wants us to give up loving our enemy. The world wants us to think about ourselves and what we might get out of life instead of thinking about loving the least and the lowest, of loving our neighbor as ourselves. I think, I know. I know that if we, we stop doing those things, that these are the things that, we could add some more things, these are the things that really, really matter. Uh, that, that if we cease doing these things, we will, we will have given in to the political, maybe, and economic and social idolatry of our day. and we won't be very good Christians. I don't know if this is making any kind of sense. The Smyrnians, Jesus doesn't, doesn't chastise them for anything because they have been faithful. They've been faithful in how they have loved and forgiven, how they have not returned the violence maybe that they received with violence. They have taken care of those who have no social standing, which was a big deal in Rome. They have loved and they have cared. Uh, one of the things I've asked us to ask ourselves as we, um, as we look at these letters is, how much are we alike or different from this particular church? Are we willing to remain faithful to Jesus Christ in love and forgiveness and care for the other and possibly lose a whole bunch of things? Uh, lose uh, social standing or money even? Uh, or are we, are we convinced that we can participate fully in all of the things of our society. In emperor worship? In empire worship? In the worship of money? Or sex? Or social standing? Or political power? Or any of those things? I hope... I hope that what we are moving towards is being faithful, even when it costs, even when it might cost us everything. But we can do that because we believe fully that if we are faithful, we will not be harmed by the second death. That Christ has died, that Christ has risen, Christ will come again and we will be 
when we will be good citizens, not of the empire, but of the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.